Align Your Practice podcast with Dr. Cliff Fisher, where your best practice and life awaits you. Are you tired of running a practice on your own? We want to come alongside you with experts to help you create your dream practice and your dream life. Here is your host. All right, Tribe. Welcome to Align Your Practice with Dr. Cliff and Dr. Joe. Brought to you by Align Life, where we want to give you the tools to find and create your Align Life. And today, I don't think there could be a heavier topic or a better topic for this, but it's time management, um, which is a lie. But let's dive in. Joe, what's your thoughts? Yeah, so this series is more like utilizing time to help someone serve their values. Like that's the essence of it. This first one we're going to talk about, that time management's nothing but a lie. So all these uh, fallacies you've been told about time management, we're going to spend this podcast to kind of break those open. So create some curiosity as to other ways to utilize your the time that you're given um, and, you know, break down some of these, uh, these old tenets. So that's what we're going to do. And then we're going to have the next few podcasts on some practicality, like literally things you can do to just start serving your values in your life so that we can help you, uh, you access the universal currency in life, which is happiness. And we can do that by thinking about this time issue. Cliff, you and I have spent decades <laughs> in our own time management, right? So there's a lot of scar tissue, a lot of lessons learned. I'm excited to share this uh, 20 years of that journey with everyone. And I'm sure you are as well. Absolutely. I spent a lot of time on time management. <laughs> I'm like, holy cow. <laughs> so this first one on time management's a lie. The reality is you can't manage time. It's not like, let me slow it down. Let me package it. Let me, it just keeps going. So you can be empowered to utilize it in any way you want, but you can't like manage it or stop it or control it. <laughs> it just keeps moving. So right. let's start out with a kind of some of the um, a little story around time. And let's let's get the emotional connection to our day and our time. So imagine that there is a bank that credits your account each morning with $86,400. And it carries it carries over no balance from day to day. So every evening, the bank will delete whatever part of the balance you failed to use during that day. Well, what would you do? You would draw out every cent, of course. Well, each of us has such a bank. It is called time. Every morning, it credits you with 86,400 seconds. And every night, it writes it off as lost. Whatever of this you have failed to invest to good purpose. It carries over no balance. It allows no overdraft. Every day it opens a new account for you. Every night it burns the remainder, the remains of that day. If you fail to use the day's deposits, the loss is yours. There's no going back. There's no drawing against the tomorrow. You must live in the present on today's deposits. So invest it so as to get from it the utmost of health, of happiness, and of success. The clock is running. Make the most of today. That I love that analogy of money versus time, and it really sets the stage. So going a little deeper, Cliff, let's talk about the essence of time, the amount of time. All right. So to realize the value of one year, just ask a student who failed a grade. And to realize the value of one month, 
Ask a mother who gave birth to a premature baby. To realize the value of one week, ask the editor of a weekly newspaper. To realize the value of one hour, ask the lovers who are waiting to meet. To realize the value of one minute, ask the person who just missed the train. And to realize the value of one second, ask the person who just avoided an accident. To realize the value of one millisecond, ask the person who won the silver medal in the Olympics. That last one really hits for me. Um, he didn't get the gold and it was because of two milliseconds. Like that's the level yeah. of time for those uh, Olympic athletes. I, I love those. Uh, you've probably heard that before, but I, we wanted to speak to that. So I'll give you a second between because there's probably one or two or three of those who are like, oh, I remember with my wife, or my girlfriend waiting to meet her or him, my husband, and that hour took felt like a day and a half. <laughs> so you probably all felt some value in those, um, hopefully, uh, in the value of time. So let's let's get into some of the lies. And, and I'll start off, Cliff. We were taught in the 90s, I think it was, is we learned how to multitask is one fallacy that I learned wasn't true because they studied cognitive function in the brain by looking at brain waves to see how the brain is uh, firing in activity. And when you're multitasking, when you're eating and talking and taking care of your child or whatever you're doing, you're doing three things and you're, um, you're micro-focusing. So you're focusing on eating for that second. You put the food in your mouth. You're not taking care of your child and you're not watching or listening. You're putting the food in your mouth. And then a second later, you're doing the second thing and then you're doing, so you're just, the brain goes through neuronal response and then it slows down for a second and you're doing something else and you'll see these waves. There's no continuity of focus. So there's no such thing as multitasking. Um, what are your thoughts on that, Cliff? Yeah, I read a book years ago and I'm trying to remember the title is multitasking is a, like multitasking is a myth the myth of multitasking, yeah, but it yeah. basically says like women are actually way faster at switch tasking. So that's what the term they use in there. So you don't multitask, you just switch task really quickly. And yeah. So, so, so yeah. if you're going to take that out and say, you know what, I'm going to spend time eating. I'm going to chew my food. I'm going to take a breath between my, my bites. I can put my fork down. I'm going to be in the moment of experiencing that meal. And I'm going to take, even if it's as short as 20 minutes, take the 20 minutes and eat the meal. Because multitasking, it's gonna take longer to eat the meal, you're not gonna enjoy it, and you're doing these four other things. Now we could take that same scenario in business and say, well, I'm gonna to listen to the podcast so I can learn, and I'm gonna do this, I'm gonna pay my bills, and I'm gonna, and I'm trying to do four things at once. Now sometimes you can overlap things that don't, like I do that re rejuvenation, so I'll listen to a podcast maybe while getting a massage uh, So and because I'm at peace at that moment. So you can do things like that when you're rejuvenating, right? Yeah. Um, so, But there is conflict that I've done in my life where I was trying to do three things and thinking I'm successful and it just doesn't <laughs> produce an outcome. Well, Joe, that's like in practice too. Like doctors think they can – see a regular patient visit, then they move into a new patient and then they go into a report of findings versus no, you have block scheduling. I think that's one of the strengths of Align Life is they really teach us how to utilize that 
And so we really need to get good at doing that in our life. Like it's not just good sometimes. That's great because we actually lay out a schedule for a new doctor in Align Life of where you should be marketing or you should see impatience or like, and it's funny. The first thing they say is, that's it? Like, I'm only seeing patients. What do you mean? Like, I'm a doctor. I just got my <laughs> license. Like, two hours a day? What are you, what are you doing to me? <laughs> so yeah. um, that's interesting that you brought that up. So that time management starts to change. And we have templates as the practice grows of where you should be focusing your time on it. And that's really good for especially young docs to have an awareness that, no, you're not seeing patients eight hours a day in that first year. <laughs> that's a great point. Yeah. And as you were reading that, the value of time, like the thing that came up for me was like, there's so many doctors and so many people that are living for the future. I'll do this today to trade my, I'll trade my life today for this future tomorrow. And I think we miss it. Like today's the gift, like today's like living for today, being present, just like you're talking about eating that food, like 20 minutes. I'm like, man, that would be a long time for me. I'm like, I could, I could do a solid <laughs> meal in like 10. And so like, cause I'm the chewing's a waste of time. I mean, you can just right. swallow it. I mean, you have acid. <laughs> you got acid in the stomach. Just swallow right. it. <laughs> I have a robust system. My wife always laughs at me. She's like, you know, you should chew food like 35 times. I'm like, what? Then I watch my dog and she's like, one, she doesn't even chew her food. <laughs> it's one bite. And it's like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. With the dogs, I'm like, <laughs> they don't taste anything. They just, it doesn't look fun. So then I, it makes me slow down because the dog, I'm like, they got to try to enjoy this a little bit. <laughs> I'll have to, when I see my dog and I'll have to put that in my head. Cause yeah, I definitely, I miss that too. I think the same thing. I'm like, you didn't even enjoy that. That was a great piece of steak. So, so let's talk a little about in the practice. Like you said, uh, you were talking about time management, the practice. Another thing I see is as you start to scale, and you're cluster booking and you have a lot of people coming in, let's say 15, 20 in an hour, and you're in your prime time. You still have to focus that time on that person. And what we end up doing is, let's say you're spending three minutes with that patient. You're looking at the next one and people walking in and you're, you're looking at the patient. They're asking a question. You're like, okay, they're in the exam room. Okay. And you start to look at the practice. Um, and I love, uh, I think it's Carl Parker who said um, present time consciousness, PTC is what he would resonate all the time about. PTC, PTC, what's your present time consciousness? And that's so important for us to stay energetically connected for that few minutes and give that patient everything uh, during that period of time. All right. So Joe has a storm there. So I just want to pick up from where he was talking about PTC, that present time consciousness from Carl Parker and like the focus of that. And so one of the things I think is new doctors or as doctors, a lot of times we think the value is in the amount of time we spend instead of the amount of present time consciousness we spend. The value is truly like people don't want to spend more time. They're not wanting to buy more friends. They're not wanting to any of those things, they just want us to solve a problem and we should want the same thing. So it's really the energetic connection. And, you know, we always talk about the gentleman, the doctor in Indiana, that uh, he had a study done on him, how much time he was spending with patients. And he was literally very fast paced, seeing people like every minute or so. And the patient said, what's the average time? I don't know the exact numbers, but it was something ridiculous. Like 
they said, he spends 10 minutes with me and he was only spending a minute and a half or so. So it's interesting. It's the energetic connection. So those of you new doctors that are struggling, like they just paid $70. Oh my God, I, I got to spend 15 minutes with them. They, they didn't, they didn't hire you to sit with you. They have a busy life. In fact, they'd rather you do it as fast as humanly possible. So don't get caught up in your value is the time you spend with people. It's your brilliance. It's your, you know, years and years of schooling and, and discipline of learning what you learned. It's your ability to make decisions on their healthcare. It's ability to refer. It's ability to diagnose and, and deliver with art, the adjustment. That's what they're paying for. They're not paying for your time. And that's hard for a student to equate, but this is this first session on time management is really what we, where we want to break these rules per se um, that we all have in our time. So students, they're not paying for your time. They're paying for your expertise. What's another one that you want to break? I, I got a couple here, but um, you taught me one about busy is lazy. If you want to break that a minute. Um, yeah. Like, um, I, yeah. I'd love to break that down. I, I'll just double click on what you said. As far as like one of the things I'd always tell new doctors was like, um, Oh shoot. The thought went away. I'm sorry. I'll come back to this. So, <laughs> busy is lazy. So one of the things that we like, I thought, Oh, I'll just be busy. I'll be busy. And I was doing things that weren't necessarily a priority. So I wasn't picking the most important things to do. I was just busy all the time. I'm like, Oh, I'm helping this person. I'm helping this person. Well, well even go farther than that. You felt good when you <laughs> said I'm busy. It made you feel good because it was actually an identity. Oh yeah. Right? Our generation. I don't know if it's just you and I are weirdos or if the rest of the people in our generation, but I was taught from my parents that I should be, you got to stay. They said, stay busy. Like you want to stay busy. Like that's what I was taught by my mom. Uh, so it was like, it was my identity. So when I come to me and say, Oh, I'm just so busy. I, I worked 18 hours yesterday. In a sense, it was bragging on my overwork which yeah. is so wrong. It's so wrong. So if you're in that camp with, with like uh, Cliff and I have been uh, at, at, you know, you're at the seasoned age of between 40 and 50. Um, <laughs> um, or if you're younger and, uh, and you're starting to do that, you know, whatever, wherever you are at, don't make that a, uh, to hang your hat on that you're so busy. It's not a value proposition for you. It's actually, self-deprecating it's it's damaging to you to be constantly busy and that was hard for me cliff because i i can't say i'm totally out of that yeah uh, but i'm self-aware of it and i'm creating more balance yeah i know for me like i'm i feel in the same place like i'm i have awareness of it so i'm like that um conscious incompetent still so I'm working on it and I'm getting better. My wife's helping me but like honestly I'm having to lean on my schedule so I've had to schedule out my family time um, yeah. cause like, if it's not on my schedule, I don't, I'm like, I fill it with something else. And so now I'm <laughs> yeah. like, I'm putting that in there. So that's a good point. We, we could talk a little about, uh, the schedule itself is, is we, we don't want to preach or teach that every minute of your day should be scheduled because you should have some white spots in the schedule to just have creative thought and freedom. Uh, however, what we realize more often than not is that you may not be uh, taking time for yourself and exercising. So you're getting up and you're going right to the office and you're not 
taking that meal, doing the meditation, you're not stretching, you're not reading your Bible, you're not, you're not listening to your music, you're not taking your walk, you're not whatever it is that you do. And, and you may just say uh, rejuvenation time or workout time. But that should get into the schedule because what Cliff and I discussed before we got on this podcast is the first thing that we drop is the self-care, is ourself. So really put the energy into putting that into the schedule. Uh, I think that was a big breakthrough for me as I became more of an aggressive entrepreneur in the world is the self-care just whoop, out the window, even though that's our wellness is our lifestyle and are what we teach and preach, right? So think of the person that doesn't yeah. grow up in wellness. What is their schedule like, right? Yeah. And I always think of like, you can't pour from an empty cup. So if you're always giving, you're, you, you're not refilling your own cup to be able to give in a healthy way. So those of you who are seeing patients and you think you have to be scheduled 10, 12 hours a day, I guarantee you, if you do your workout, you do your meditation, you get grounded in the morning and you have less patient time by an hour. I guarantee you'll see more people be more focused because you're going to be, you know, walking the walk and that transcends to the patient because the patients see what they don't hear. They, they and I love that phrase. They see what they don't hear. <laughs> so you can yeah. preach all you want, <laughs> but it's, they, they know what you're, uh, yeah, they know your walk. So yeah. Patients are like kids. They don't, you know, do what you say. They, you know, do what they you do. do. What you do. <laughs> yep. So. so I was on a podcast. I would, no, sorry. I was on a, uh, a mastermind group with a Vistage group that I'm part of that I recently be, uh, joined. And the, they posed the question of grit versus quit. <laughs> and it was interesting. They played a video from a, um, the female world champion of poker. And she was a master of quitting. She quits the hand 70% of the time that is, is given to her in poker. She just folds 70% of the time. And then she talks about the, the, the essence of poker players, the best poker, poker players in the world fold. I think it's around, I think she said 70% of the time before they take a hit, they just fold. Think of that. So she wrote a book about quitting. Like you got to learn how to quit. You got to be a master quitter. That word to me makes my skin crawl. It makes the hair stand up on my arm. It makes me uncomfortable <laughs> because my upbringing was you never quit. I remember my mom made me do Boy Scouts and I'm like, I'm 10 years old. I don't want to do that anymore. Well, you can't quit until you're an Eagle Scout. No, I don't want, I'm done with that. I'm not, it doesn't, it doesn't, I had to stay and do that until I became an Eagle Scout. I had to. Uh, some sports I don't want to play. I had to play them the entire time because I started because I couldn't quit. So I learned never, ever, ever quit in, in my upbringing. So I don't know. What is your thought on that? Oh, yeah. No, mine was never quit. Finish everything on your plate. Like, like it was just a lot of bad, like foundational premises that I got. Um, and when you brought up the poker player, I was just thinking like, and I don't know how this fits, but consistency. So I was looking up the highest free throw percentage shooter on the planet. Um, I was like, oh, who's that in the NBA? It was Carl Malone in the NBA, and he was like at 73 or 74%. Then I looked in the WNBA, and the highest percentage there was 93.7 by this um, lady, Ellen Adele Don, who shot 93.7%, and she had a 
and a rhythm. And so the reason like this manages, makes a, an impact in time management is it's what we do, what uh, it's our habits. So what are, our, what are our habits? So she had, she bounced the ball three times, shot the ball, but like she had so much consistency. And I think that's the thing with time management. This isn't about like, oh, today I learned this new thing. It's really about carrying it through your career. Yeah. So what you're saying with that basketball analogy is that ritualistic process creates more outcome. So you're in a sense, better utilizing your time, right? right. So we're going to, in the next podcast, we're going to get there exactly where Cliff's going is that is there are rituals to actually get more out of your life and your time. So with the, with that story, with the, uh, the quit, you know, I think for me, quitting and failing was the clarity I needed. I would never quit, but really you fail when you give up. If you quit and learn and you revamp and do something different, you didn't fail. So right. I, I had to clarify quitting's okay, but I, I won't fail uh, versus I won't quit. Does that make sense? Like I had to get that because some things I will quit. Like uh, I told Cliff when I started practice, I joined 13 networking groups my first week. I was at three um, Toastmasters a week. I was at the Optimist Club, the Entrepreneurs Club, the, every club there was, I joined them all and I would tend them. But then after a month, I'm like, you know what? I don't like those two groups and I dropped them. And then I dropped another and dropped, I quitted 10 of the 13 groups. And then I was like on the board of the other three and it was very meaningful. But when I retrospectively look back, we're quitting a lot of things all the time. And what this woman said in the book is that if you want to be effective in life, you have to be a master quitter. And that was so uncomfortable for me. <laughs> but what a, what a, what an awareness cliff to be a master quitter. Like think about that. What hit me, Joe is like, we're quitting anyways. So you might as well be conscious about it. Cause at least you're picking versus unconscious. Like what you're talking about is like people keep taking on all these things. They got to quit other things, but they're not consciously doing that. They're just filling their plate, filling their plate and they're not being conscious about it. And so I think really like this time management or, this utilization of time effectively is really about it. it's like being conscious versus unconscious. And then, you know, as we were, I know we were warming up and talking about this. It all goes back to the thing, same things like what are your core values? What's important to you? And how do you define success? Because, you know, time management is going to be different for everybody, depending on what's important to them, what their value is. And so don't let other people control your time. Oh, I, I like that. It's great. And, and to, to close the quit versus grit, the question was, when do you grit? Uh, do you grit or quit? Which one do you resonate with? Grit means grind, get in, keep pushing, fight and create an outcome. And w we can't give the message with that one book that, oh, yeah, let's just um, spinal screenings are hard. So I'm going to quit those and dinner talk. I didn't I didn't bring any new patients. My first dinner talk. Well, let me quit that. Uh, and then you're constantly quitting. Um, that's not the point <laughs> because grit is get in there, keep doing until you create better outcomes. Quitting is when you've exhausted something that no longer serves you. And that's the phrase I want you to write down, put a tattoo on your arm is this no longer serves me. If you're starting dinner talks, you're not good at it. That doesn't mean it doesn't serve you. Those 13 networking groups the Optimist Club that had six guys in it for, that were 80 years old that had been in the same group for 32 years and they were just hanging out drinking coffee, 
that didn't serve me. <laughs> they were having a grand old time, but it was just these elderly gentlemen that have been in this club for 20 years. So as a 23 year old in a networking group, I said, you know what? I'm going to quit that group because it didn't serve me. So be clear on quitting. And that's the question I want you to ask. Is this no longer serving me versus do I have to get some grit here? I find, and I don't want to pick on the millennials because I'm not a millennial, but I am going to pick on them. I think the millennials need a little more grit. <laughs> People of my generation need to learn how to quit a little bit. So that's, that's my, uh, <laughs> my perspective. Um, so what are your thoughts on that? I think that's, that's a good roundup with that, that messaging of um, it doesn't, doesn't continue to serve you. Even relationships or uh, business ventures, you know, uh, you got to know if it still serves you. you and serves, when I say that, serves your core values, right? Right. Yeah. And I think you got to be aware of those. And I think back to your thoughts on the quit and grit, I think that's really relevant because I, I see sometimes people quitting too early and I see sometimes, you know, people holding on too long. And so like for me, like when I start to have those two questions, I'm like, should I quit this or should I grip this, grit this? I try to do that three year view of my business. Like, okay, is this something I need to learn and work through? Or is this something that is like not a value to me. So, yeah, I agree. And the other concept uh, in ma managing time that we're, that again, we can't manage it or stop it, but in utilizing time is the slowdown to speed up. Too often when we think about productivity, which we're going to give you tools to be more productive, too often we need to just stop. And we need to reflect and we need to take a breath and we need self-awareness. We need to meditate. We need to just slow down for a moment to recreate what we're trying to do. For instance, Cliff, you and I will stop everything and look at all our meetings on our calendars and say, <laughs> I don't need all these meetings. There's four of them that I'm not getting anything out of and I'm going to reduce those, right? So that's a concept of slow down to speed up. What, what are your thoughts in practice, a, a way that someone can kind of slow down and speed up? Um, I think it is taking that step back and looking at it and, you know, what's the value in this? Is this valuable? One of the things, and I had a doctor quote you the other day on this, I was talking to him and he goes, how do I do twice as much in half the amount of time? Like, and so, and it's not necessarily about doing more, but it's about being more productive and cutting those things out that aren't important. And so I think it's just really like getting to those vital things. And how do you know that, you know, as we close this one up, how do you know that it's your analytics? Uh, and if you're studying and let's say dinner talk example I gave earlier, if you had a 5% of the people schedule and you're like, this doesn't work. Well, what, how do you kind of open it differently? What's the story? How are your slides? Did you start on time? How was the food? Did your staff give opportunity at the right time? Did they walk around? Did all of these things happen? And you can't do them all. But what two things can you do to go from a 5% to a 30% conversion ratio? Just, just do that. So don't quit at that moment. Grit. And as long as the number moves and it resonates, the win resonates with you. If three times and you hate it still as much as you did the first time, it may not be the best promotion for you. There may be something right. different. But if you win and grow, win and grow, then keep the grit. Uh, keep moving forward. Um, awesome. Awesome. Joe, the other space I go with that too is like, maybe you didn't have the right teacher. Cause I know one of the things, like there's some people who did the dinner talks 
And then they hired like Roberto Monaco. And then they're like, oh my gosh, these are so great now because they didn't put in the right time. So, you know, sometimes you're finding a new mentor. That's huge. So that's a good point in, in managing this, this concept of managing time is you can keep doing, let's say, the dinner talk 50 times and get nothing out of it. Or you could slow down and stop and saying, I need a better teacher. What a great question you asked. My question was, does this still serve you? That's my question. Your question is, could I get a better teacher? Think about that. So in anything you're doing in practice, what if you stopped, took a deep breath and said, is there a better teacher? And I agree with you. You go to Roberto Monaco and now your eyes open as to what a dinner talk is. Now you're a champion. You're empowered. You feel like a leader. You feel like, you know, you can take the world in this dinner talk. Now he will make you love it <laughs> and uh, get an outcome on it. And it's just changing the teacher. It's perspective. So that's a good utilization of time to get a better outcome, uh, which we're going to be talking about at the future podcast. Awesome. All right, you guys. So we will see you next time. So next time we're going to be talking about utilizing time effectively, discussing busy versus productive, and then how being busy is being lazy. So I'm excited to see you guys next week. Have an awesome week. Dr. Joe, thanks for your genius as always. Appreciate you. Awesome. Have a great day, everyone. For opportunities to build your dream practice presented by Dr. Fisher, reach out to Align Life Centers for Natural Health at AlignLifeOpportunity.com.